Hello and welcome to the N17 Podcast. My name's Cosmo and tonight I'm joined by, we got Glenn. Yo, what are you saying? We got Eddie. Good evening. And we got Aaron. Good evening. Off the back of a thrilling 4-3 win for Spurs um, and off into the World Cup. I mean, that performance, that's it kind of reminded me of of, of the days of, of kind of like why I fell in love with Spurs. Like for me, that, that felt very... Very Spursy, but in a good way, I thought. Um, exhilarating. Uh, <laughs> Glenn, you're making a face as if you weren't you weren't feeling as exhilarated potentially, but you were at the ground. Um, atmosphere must have been incredible when Benton Kerr struck that fourth goal. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I think it was relief. Um, I think a, a lot of been building up to this game with consecutive. Um, losses, um, bad performances, um, not scoring goals, players out injured, etc., etc. A lot, a lot of things have been going wrong at Spurs before the game, um, and to see players back who we'd been looking to see for a, a long time, to see goals being scored, to see certain players been taken off, <laughs> to see other players be played in positions where they actually should be playing etc um was nice to see at the end especially especially that we got the three points and secured top four going into world cup season i thought it was interesting oh by the way this is this podcast should be renamed deaf and always friends by the way about half of us are sounding bare ill um yeah if we're sounding crusty i I think three quarters of of the podder are ill at the moment so yeah that that new new that new new variant but anyways um, <laughs> yeah it's quite interesting because whilst I understand like at you know when when you get to the final result you can say that yeah it was an exhilarating game but in reality it's the type of game that you just can't have like often in the season because, I want that every week mate yeah well, well listen Cosmo bro I actually want to see my kids, so <laughs> there's no there's no way I'm living past fifty if every game is like that. So um, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to touch fifty, bro. So I I can't I can't um, I can't be having games like that every week. Um, but at the same time, I do get where you're coming from in the sense that like there's nothing quite as satisfying as late winners, high-scoring games, and feeling like you deserve to get the points at the end of the game, which is something that we haven't had um, quite often this season, even though statistically we've been good. Um, A lot of the games just felt like, you know, we had the quality and they didn't, um, despite being kind of outplayed, uh, like tactically outclassed. Um, The majority of the games that we have won haven't been convincing, and I think that um, whilst even on the weekend we weren't convincing defensively, I think the balance that we have in the midfield and, and our attack is really promising um, and require, like, is is a clear indication of what Conte has been saying. Um, and I think it's gone quite a decent way into like putting some good faith back into like putting Conte back into the good faith of a few uh, dissenting voices at White Hart Lane I think 
good vibes basically um it's interesting that you you pick up on the, on the point um it is it is what i was gonna use as a little segue that we were actually pretty good that whole game but the defense uh was almost a, a thing within itself um aaron I'll, I'll be interested you were at the game as well um yeah did you have a kind of faith that we would do it when we were conceding the goals um because they were they were good goals to be fair i thought leads were yeah. really good and i i do actually like what marsh is doing um despite him getting a lot of flack but they always kind of seemed a bit against the run and play um so did you always have faith that we we're going to do it aaron i completely agree i think um i could feel in the ground i'm sure glinkard as well that whenever even when we were behind i felt like we were we, we, we had the capability to come straight back into the game and i think that the nature of of their goals, as you sort of alluded to, were mainly from our own mistakes or from our own wrongdoings, which I think just highlights the the area of the pitch that we are we are really struggling in, um, <laughs> which is definitely the the centre back areas and the right wing back position. I thought Perisic had a quite a solid game. I don't think he has he can take any blame for anything really, but some of the things that were going on, particularly either side of Eric Dyer. Were were quite difficult to watch at times. I think the the first goal went in right in front of me, and Eric Dyer he was he, he threw his toys at his pram afterwards a little bit. I wasn't sure if he was frustrated at himself or frustrated at, at Emerson. I don't know what what it was, but he, he proper threw his toys out a little bit. Um, and I just think that if you are a Leeds team or any team playing Tottenham for that matter, that is the channel that you're going to be you're going to be aiming towards in between Emerson and, and Dyer, who predominantly has played at centre-centre-back or in the middle of the back three. And we know that he's... I actually think in the, the, the final third of the pitch, higher up the pitch, Dyer's quite good. But defensively, he's shocking. In, in out, out wide, he hasn't got the legs. He hasn't got the, the protection of... Uh, a world-class right wing back next to him. He's, he was very isolated in the in the wider areas, and I think that showed. But going back to your to your question, yeah, I always felt like we could we could get back into the game when we were behind. Him getting spun by Aronson was like one of the most haunting images I think I've seen recently because it just reminded me of how poor Eric Dyer's turn in circle actually is, which yeah. is what we used to see a lot when when he was in CDM. Ooh. And <laughs> I mean the way he. The way he exacted his retribution by absolutely smashing Aronson on the tackle, like that couldn't save him. That just it just looked like fifty year old pub player like taking out some <laughs> young winger, which is incidentally how I was playing at, at right back for the Rose um, on Sunday, as as Glenn saw. But Glenn, you're a bit of a defensive shaman. I, I see you as a defensive shaman. Uh, what's your view on? the back three at the moment because I'm in one of those moods where I'm I'm thinking we need to sign at least two centre backs in January. Will it happen? Probably not. That's that's a lot to bring into one position, but that's how it feels. <clears throat> yeah, I don't I don't know if um I I don't know if I blame two out of three of the defenders, to be honest with you. I think when Dyer went back into centre centre back, he looked fine. Like he's okay. Um, I thought when Sanchez come on, he actually made a bit of a difference and was actually excellent. Um, 
apart from their third goal, but I don't really think that's Sanchez's fault at that point. The ball goes wide, he ushers in wide, it's a good shot. Luis gets a hand to it, but can't push it wide. I think Sanchez does all the right things there when he comes on, but Dyer at right centre-back is shocking. He was at fault for their second goal, not pushing up when Conte was absolutely screaming at him. As you can see on Conte, Conte can on uh, on YouTube that they've just released today or yesterday, if you're listening on a on a Tuesday, um, I didn't push up for that goal. I think the first goal is Emerson's fault. If I'm honest, doesn't track the runner out to in run. It's basics, and Dyer's left isolated as you said, Cosmo, and he's just not quick enough or good enough at turning, as you said. Um, to keep up with the player, but he just looks completely uncomfortable defending in that right centre back role. And where's Romero training with Argentina while we're <laughs> while we're playing football? It's just another Argentinian going away when we're playing football. It's it's getting to the point where you just don't want to sign any more Argentinians. Like I I I don't know what what you can do about that. The effort that their FA is taking players away from their league clubs during the season. That should never happen. Regardless of being in a World Cup in like a week's time or whatever, it just should never happen. And it seems like they're doing that with all their players. Um, he's been a massive miss the last few weeks. Um, and I think he's he's like the highest chance creator, um, accu- cumulative chance creator for Spurs in terms of XG. Um per 90 minutes which just shows how important he is when he does play for us um and we miss yeah. him when when Dyer's playing there um defensively and offensively um to go a bit Jesse March on on everyone uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think it's it's ridiculous that Romero's out and we do need to sign another centre-back to shore up the back I five. remember advocating signing Lissandro Martinez can you imagine if we did that can you imagine if we actually did that and we had one Argentinian at right centre back, another one at left centre back? We'd have we'd have no one left. We'd actually yeah. have no one left. Yeah. I do Edith think that with that is like Glenn, I agree. It's just ridiculous that um your the your employer is left short. Um you know, we pay his wages. Um but yeah, don't really want us to like kind of fixate on it too much um, simply because the responsibility kind of falls on Romero's at Romero's feet at the end of the day. Like you see players like Benton Corn, Hoybier, Kane, they're like leaving everything on the pitch. They're all also going to the World Cup. Yeah. And despite like I I would say, you know, all uh national teams will be saying to the players that are going to World Cup, listen, like there's a week to go, you know, if you can try and avoid, you know, situations where you could hurt yourself and that football's a contact sport. And so you either you leave everything on the pitch or you always will come out second best. Um, the, you get injured when you're not committing to challenges, when you're not, you know, when you're not putting everything in. And, and that's, that's the difference um, I think with some of the players and the team and, and we will talk about Bentoncourt um, over this podcast because he's been rather astonishing over the last, well, pretty much the whole of the season. But 
that is like the definition of someone who's putting their body on the line for for the club. Yeah. And if you were to get, you know, 10, 10 Benton calls, I know we do this all the time. Like if you've got 10 Harry Kane's, 10 Benton calls at some point, you know, we probably said if you had like 10 Romero's when he was playing well. But like, if you do have players that put everything on the pitch, um, yeah, you just come up trumps most of the time. Um and so, yeah, it's an interesting time now. Um, I kind of want to see what happens after the World Cup um, and whether, you know, we we come out and we have a, a fit team and what that will look like um, with no kind of worry in the back of the minds of the players. Because um, I thought, again, like Kudasevsky also going to the World Cup, um, just came back from injury. Not, not going, not going. Eddie. Oh, is he not? No, he's not. Richarlison, oh, yes. though. Yeah, Richarlison. I I did think that Richard, Richarlison was another person I was going to talk about, but these players that have just come back from injury and immediately got are essentially back into the starting lineup, and you can tell that they are putting in an effort. Um, they are putting their bodies on the line because um, they've been trusted in the starting lineup again, and. We know Conte, we know that Conte prefers a player that works hard, diligently, rather than someone who who is, you know, technically incredible, but is a passenger um, during the game. And so it is an interesting prospect on how he feels about um, Romero's actions going into the World Cup. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, especially with people like Richarlison. I was very surprised that he came back, especially playing against Forrest in the Carabao Cup, of all things, just before the World Cup. Didn't expect it at all. It does make you think, what do the other professionals make of that from Romero? Because he has essentially essentially faked an injury. He probably has. I mean, I'm sure it was quite bad, but I think others could have could have and would have played through it. Um, so that's very disappointing, but I don't want to keep banging on about the centre-backs too much, but I suppose where my concern comes from and why I think we need like a lot of reinforcements is, I think, you've got Romero, if you were to rank them, you've got Romero who's at the top of the tree, and then after that, there's just a huge drop-off, like uh, like Longley, I, I, I wouldn't... Do you think? Yeah, I think he's he probably is, but I I wouldn't sign him at the end of the loan spell. I don't think he's that good. But um, I think he I think it'd be super cheap. I think I think uh, Barcelona only want they only wanted like ten twelve million for him. <laughs> that euros, yeah, euros at the at the start of at the start of the thing. And I also want to say that Ben Davies was absolutely phenomenal on the weekend. He he flew into all sorts of tackles. He was flying up the pitch like That's no another one. Sort of, another one going to World Cup. Yeah, another one going to the World Cup who's a very key player for, for Wales. Like in their first World Cup in 62 or 64 years, like you'd think he would be the one holding back, but he was absolutely flying around with no regard for injury. And I just thought he was excellent on the weekend and wanted to shout him out. But yeah, I, I, I do agree. I, I do think there's a massive fall off in, in quality from, from Romero, as you said, Cosmo. And we do need that quality centre-back and a quality right wing-back because as we're probably going to come to, we don't have that. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk to me about Emerson Royale. Talk to me about what it was like in the stadium. It was, was like? disappointing to hear some of the stuff that was being said about him um, or sort of like the murmurs about him uh, during the game. I thought he actually had like a pretty good game. It's just when it comes to them final moments, he gets in good positions. This is the thing. He gets further up the pitch. 
But then he has the awful moment where he tries a crossfield pass to Perisic that through balls their right winger. And then he also has the awful moment where Ben Davies makes like five one-twos in a row, flies up the pitch, gets past the uh, right centre-back and then squares it back to him and he blazes it into the stand and everyone just... It's a cockerel, bruv. Yeah, he, 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 he did what he did at Bournemouth. He he cleared the stadium and is is I think the ball is still in Northumberland Avenue as we speak, to be honest with you. <laughs> but yeah, it's just yeah. It's it, it's a shame to see some of the stuff like the cheer when he went off, but he when it comes to these important moments in the game where he could turn the faith of the crowd around, he just seems to get it wrong every time. And it the best you're hoping for is a corner, as we've said time and time again on this podcast and even even defensively he was awful like some of the, some of the time like he he gets like praise for his defense but he was awful he was he was at fault for the first goal in my opinion and he was just completely out of position defensively for a lot of the game i don't know what it was but he he just i think after that miss of the davies set up chance i think he his head was completely gone in my opinion uh- I think it's just totally wrong at the fans because there's a difference between what he's doing and what someone like Ndombele was doing where there was just clearly no effort from Ndombele's end. Um, but there was like complacency. There was um, just kind of contempt for for the fans. Um, I remember when he like took his, like he just like, we were losing the game. I can't remember what it was. And he was just struggling off the Morecambe. pitch. Morecambe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that is just like disgraceful. Whereas Emerson, like with despite all the industry, and we can talk about his like running stats, especially like he is someone that def- like gets up and down the pitch, and, and he's just not good enough. Like there are players that go to top clubs and they just aren't good enough, and he's just one of those. And I do think it's like very uncouth. I would say of, of the fans um, to like a, abuse a player. Um, the same with Eric Dyer. It just leaves a bad taste in the mouth, and also it just speaks to the kind of uh, petulant nature of some of the fans at White Hart Lane that we're starting to see. Um, yeah. And I think that's just like bang out of order, and also just uncalled for, um, especially when it's not like we've we we've got. A, the money to to buy a seventy million pound replacement, or B, have someone who's like very obviously better to bring on. We have to. Yeah. Well, well, you say that. Yeah. You say I, that. I, I kind of agree with you, Eddie, because I think you then don't become supporters of the club when yeah. you're not supporting the team. You're not. You're in my eyes, a fan is a supporter of a team, no matter how bad someone's playing, especially if they're trying their hardest to play well like if in in Dombele's case you you you've lost all respect for them because they've lost respect for the club that becomes a bit more understandable but you are not a supporter of the club if you're making personal attacks about the player um when they are trying to do their best if if that's like if that's them not doing that well or them not playing well you still support them you don't cheer when they go off you don't you don't swear at them when 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 they've made a mistake. You get annoyed, but that's not their fault. They're trying to do the best they can. They're not trying to concede goals. They're not trying to 
do things against the team. And I, I completely agree. But at some point, it has to become Conte's problem that he keeps playing him. We have Jed Spence, who played excellently against Nottingham in his, what, 30-minute cameo. At what point do you start blaming Conte and not Emerson? Not blaming, but like... Well, I, I think he deserves to be blamed for it. Selection. Because because it makes it makes no sense. We play a formation where we don't play with creative midfielders. Credit to Bentancur, who's st- stepped up brilliantly and he has given us that creativity and Hoybier as well. But we rely on the wing-backs for creativity and most of the time, both of the wing-backs are useless. And like... I know Perisic has been good, but he hasn't probably hasn't delivered to the level we quite expected of him. But part of that is because on the other side, there is genuinely no threat. So it becomes quite a lot easier to mark Perisic. Um, I, for me, the best case scenario, what I was thinking in January, what I would like to happen is uh, for, I obviously I would like a new right wing back, but I just don't see it happening. So I just think, the best case scenario is sell Emerson Royale in January. God knows who's going to buy him. Maybe some Atlanta spore in Turkey or something, hopefully. Um, and then just have Doherty as the first choice and Spence as the backup, even though Spence is probably going to give us more than Doherty. We know Conte doesn't like him. So that's what I would hope to happen. Um, Aaron, I can see you being itching to make a point because I know you're... You're not a fan of you're not a fan of Emerson um, at all, uh, but I don't yeah. think you're a part of the booing. To be fair, no. but, um, yeah, I think that the difficulty is that the fans are responding, the ones that are responding negatively, and I'm not saying that I agree with it. I think they're responding in the only way that they they really have. <laughs> I don't think they have another way of sending Conte a message that they are displeased with his. His selection, I, and again, I don't think it's necessarily the the right way to go about it because that is not going to get the best performances out of the player. But I think that when when you as a fan are seeing that we have two right wing backs that are on the bench who we believe are a better option, it, it's it's difficult to to see as Glenn mentioned in those big moments. Emerson keeps letting us down. He did have one shot that was was saved by Mesley. I don't think he could have done really much better with with the shot. And I, I did think from where I sat for a moment, I thought it, I thought it was going in. Um, so I, I thought that we were about to absolutely erupt and, and eat some humble pie that Emerson had, had bagged one. But I, I think that the, the fans, with regards to the right wing back situation, are at desperation stage where we just simply don't. You, you look at you look at the team sheet and you're disheartened to see that he's there. And I think that's because he hasn't been rotated enough. We've been we've been stuck with him for want of a better phrase in some, some big games. We thought when he got his red card against Arsenal that he was going to come have a bit longer out of the team. But as soon as that suspension was done, he was straight back in. In fact, he was played in the Champions League midweek straight after. And I think that obviously he's Conte's first choice and we're just going to have to wait. I, I, did, I made a prediction on one of the pods I was on earlier in the season. I thought Spence would be the first choice by the end of the season. And it's not looking it's not looking great for that prediction at the moment. But I'd I'd still like to think that Spence is going to get more than he's getting at the moment. Do you think Conte is going to play Emerson until the end of the season? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I do. 
Well, that, that's 100%. two whole seasons with Emerson as our first choice right wing back. And it just makes no sense whatsoever because everyone can see he's crap. He's just crap. He's just not good at what he's being asked to do. So I don't understand it. Something yeah, I, I was thinking is that if you're, if you're, I don't know, a Harry Kane or an Eric Dyer or Hugo Lloris, a senior member in that dressing room, how do you feel playing with that bum? Like, like I, 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 I'm sure I saw it. I'm sure I saw Eric Dyer look up to him, see it was Emerson, and turn around. Yeah, they always like, do it. They did it last yeah. season as well. They don't pass to him because they know he's crap. And they, they don't trust him with the ball. I, I did actually, I do actually see that a lot. Um, they like don't, they don't play it, like those passes in tight areas to Emerson, um, just because a, they don't think they'll get it back, or they don't trust that they're like, you know, it's going to amount to anything. And, and furthermore, on that, every time Perisic gets the ball, he used he's double teamed as well. Every single time, um, he was playing in the in the second half. He was right in front of me, and every single time he got the ball, he had he, he couldn't go anywhere. He either had to go back or try something to get on outside of someone to whip it in. Every single time, he had two players on him, and it was not the case on the right hand side. Which is the same with Kulisevsky. Kulisevsky yeah. gets dub- like doubled up on, even tripled up on quite a lot and you'd think that that means that Emerson has space to make <laughs> no. it run. but the intelligence of uh run or you know the you know the willingness to to make those kind of adventures runs just uh, like even mentally he's not not willing to make it or he's just not thinking about that because it's ideal because especially getting doubled up uh doubled up on and Emerson making an uh, an overlapping run would would create so many opportunities, but we're not seeing that. Yeah, I just I just find it so weird that we're in Conte's second season now, and we have only one usable wing back out of five. It's just it's quite bizarre. Um, but on a positive note, um, we mentioned a bit earlier the performance of Ben Sankur. Hoybier wasn't his best game, but. I was thinking, you know, as we approach the World Cup, which is sort of the half halfway mark of the season, either way, it's a massive milestone to get to. Um, I think we really are seeing Conte's automations, I suppose, coming to, coming to fruition now. Um, because those two are the only two centre mids in the Premier League that literally play in the two. Um, like a flat two with no number 10 in front of them. They got no one next to them covering for them. And they're just amazing at it. Like we've got to the point now. We used to worry about the the three, four, three and be like, oh, we get overrun in midfield and whatnot. I think because they've both stepped it up a level, um, that's not a worry for me anymore. I don't go into games and think, oh, we're gonna get overrun in midfield because we've only got two in midfield. Like they have incredible fitness levels. Um and in Benson Kerr incredible press resistance incredible ability to carry the ball um i think you know we we've criticized a little bit conte's uh flaws in terms of his reliance on certain wingbacks but that is a massive win for him among other things in the team but um those two were brilliant i thought along with those guys they they are definitely in in the best form under under conte at the moment and obviously, there are two players that are, that are going to the World Cup. So, what you're sort of looking for from the players that have stayed home 
you're looking for Conte to have some good minutes with with Skip and Basuma and really get them to sort of take a big step. I know that obviously before Skip got injured 400 years ago, whenever he first picked up his injury, he, he was one of our first names on the on the team sheet. And I, I think everyone's sort of expecting him or wanting him to get back to, to that form. And it would be great to see after the World Cup when these, you, you can, I, personally, I think Uruguay are going to go a long way, but we'll leave our international football chat for probably never. Um, but I, I think that having a, a fresh skip and Basuma would be beneficial. Um, I really think that Basuma's last few cameos have been brilliant. And I think that him, Perisic, as well as the others that we've mentioned, we always leave out Kane because he's just ridiculously good. Um, they they can hold their, their heads high as well. Um, but I was just looking at the, the list of players that are going to the World Cup. Davinson Sanchez also isn't going because Colombia didn't qualify. So you never know, he might come back after a few weeks. He was quite good when he came on, to be fair. Exactly. So he might benefit from from this little break as well. And we've already mentioned that Kulisewski is not going. Um, So we we don't know. I I really do think, and I've said this before, that this mid-season World Cup is going to have such an impact. And I don't think anyone can really predict what that impact is going to be. But I think it's going to be very telling after a month's time or in a month's time. Yeah, I mean, I've been literally like crossing my fingers that we are just going to come out a completely different team. And I I do think it's possible. I do think it's possible because for me, we haven't seen the Tottenham that we saw last year in the running. Um, even when we have had everyone fit, even when Kulu was there in the 3-4-3, we just have not seen that same functionality that we had before. And you can't help but think that it's because Conte's played with the handbrake on and One of the things which I said last week about why I kind of decided to stop kind of being not anti-Conte, but like kind of being so critical was the fact that one thing he's brought back to this club is fight. Like these guys with the the amount of comebacks we've done, one thing you can't question is, is, is their heart and their mentality. And he's brought that back. If he can start playing, you know, 100%, straight away every single match we could do we could do something we could do we could genuinely do something in the second half of the season what we need though is we definitely need quality and we need a few in in January um I don't think this current crop of players is you know could be enough to win the FA Cup who knows like you know Wigan won the FA Cup but I honestly think if we can bring in like three high quality players we can find another repeat the Bentenko Kulosevsky uh, January window, then you never know what we can do. We could do something in Champions League. We could, it's, maybe it's not too late for the league. I don't want to get ahead of myself. You never know. You never know. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I think I'm the, the ultimate optimist of this pod, you know, deep down, deep down. Yeah, you can't steal that from deep me. down. You can't steal that from <laughs> Bro, we're gonna come no back. Way. <laughs> we're gonna lose our first game after the World Cup. You're gonna be like this Conte guy, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. Relegation form. <laughs> I, I, I do get. I get the sentiment of what everyone is saying. I think. Yeah, just like what I was saying earlier. I think we're seeing that, like, what Conte said at the beginning of the season, end of last season, when he came in, um, when he said, you know, the level of the Dodgy numbers not so high, um, but you know. I do understand that 
it's going to be a process. A lot of these players are not going to be able to get, you know, not going to go forward as the starting players, as the players that are going to take us to the next level. And so it is going to be a process, you know, and we're seeing that process happen in real time. And that's where I'm going to stop because I'm going to get cut off otherwise. True to say. All right, let's go to a little break and come back for part two. Before we were there, can't talk. Before we were rudely interrupted by the Zoom there, um, cutting us off. Um, got to mention Kulisevsky. Uh, night and day, the way we perform um, with and without him. Um, his movement for I think it was I think it was the winner, the winner, yeah, the winner. Um, the way his like, if you watch it back, the way he sends the defender just by moving his upper body. It's just such an incredible level of skill that I think only top athletes could even think of doing because it's just such a minute thing that he does where like he's basically dummied the defender by making it look like he was going to move with his upper body. I've never really seen anything like it. It it was truly an incredible piece of skill. Um, and yeah, great performance from from Kulisevsky. Uh Aaron, what was it like seeing it in the flesh? I think that you just wanted him to have the ball all of the time. And there was a number of occasions where the ball was on the opposite side, where him and good old Emerson were, were just standing there in acres. And Eric Dyer, to be fair, when he was at right side, so they were just standing there literally with their arms up, just waiting for the ball. And... I think there was quite a number of times where he, he made up uh, runs even in behind as well as like coming short together. And like just people weren't either didn't see or weren't brave enough to to play the pass to him. And depending on who it was, I, I felt like they weren't brave. Like Ben Davis got it on his right foot, for example. We, there was a couple of times I thought he could have gone for a bit of a, a diagonal, but obviously he wasn't as confident. But every time you, you, you got the ball, Kulisevsky, we everyone's on the edge of their seat because you know that he's either going to play a quick one-two or he's going to drop the shoulder, take somebody on, something's going to happen. And we've, we've dropped into the chat a few of those like dribble stats or those chance creation stats. And he's just like leading the way. Um, you just you just feel like, especially in the final third where he's driving into the box, you think he's just going to find someone. And and he did. For, for that final goal, it, it reminded me of my of myself on pro clubs in, in many ways. Just <laughs> get, get into the byline and, and cutting it back. Um but he, yeah, and you saw the the passion that came out as well. It's, he's not just just putting the results in; he's he's loving it. The that little knee slide did after the the winner, and let me tell you, Richarlison's another one. He he loves it. He he, we, I, he was sat opposite me, and I can see him on the bench, like getting up and going mental, even like before the goals, like just during normal passages of play. He's lose he's losing his rag, and he's he's all over the shop. And I think that we've we've bought into some players that. In our in our most obviously Kulisevsky and Benzinka, Richarlison players that are absolutely loving playing for Tottenham, and I think that that is a it's a great sign. We've we've talked about it on the pod before, um, but he is such an intelligent player for his age. Um, yeah, yeah like young what you were saying, Cosmo, about using his body. Um, I've seen other players do it where it's it's a, it's almost embarrassing. Um, because you've essentially fooled a defender just by moving your body. He hasn't moved the ball. He just delayed his touch by moving his body and it took him beyond um, their their defender. I think it was Cooper. Um, 
and it's absolutely done him. Um, and to think again, Kulisevsky's just come back from injury. We're talking about, pardon me, we're talking about very deep into into the game. Um, you're thinking that he probably won't be able to last longer than seventy minutes, um, and he does that towards the end of the game. Um, just brilliant. And I do think that, I mean, and what's really telling is his interview after the game um, for Spurs play. He was saying um, he just wanted the ball to go into Harry Kane because he knew what Harry Kane would do. Um, and that if he made that run, that Harry Kane would find him. So it's just about delaying the run, then finding the right time and then delaying the touch and then just praying that, um, Benton Cole, who we knew was going to arrive in the box, um, was able to finish. And that is literally something you can tell they've worked on. The ball into Kane, the flick around the defender, the winger coming in, we've seen it on either side of the pitch. Um, even with that, yeah, the Ben Davis one, um, where we didn't score in the first half, like it's identical to that essentially. Um, and it's, it was just great to watch because at least. This time there was quality on the end of it, Kulisevsky and then Bantancourt with um, the right finish. Um, it's night and day having Kuli on in the team compared to when he's not in the team. Um, there's assurance on the ball. There's kind of, he's making the right decisions. He's taking players on, even, uh, you know, even if he's just come back from injury, he's really trusting his body. Um, I think that's very apparent compared to someone like Sessignon, who's in the team week in, week out. Um, but for the life of me, just I've never seen him trust his body enough to go and attack a player like Kulisewski does, even though we know he has... He's probably even quicker than, than Deku, um, at least he was. Um, so, yeah, I think we've actually just got a real, real genuine talent on the books, um, which is great to see because um, it... You know, it just makes me believe that we are able to compete in terms of quality um, without having to spend a hundred million. Like there aren't going to be too many deckies in the world um, that Tottenham can identify and buy. But you know, both Decky, Decky and Benton Core for you know we're talking less than fifty million when we initially when 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 we bought them. You know, excluding add-ons, just great business. Yeah, I also want to say about Kulusevski, he's like, as you said before, he's such an intelligent player. You can see that he has the pictures in his head. Like, he he was the one who was instructing Sanchez to play it into Kane. Like, you could see you could see it in the replay. Like, he points to yeah. Kane behind him and knows, like, he could see the picture in his head because of the automation that Conte's drilled into them. Like, he sees where each player's going to be. He, he didn't even need to look where Kane was and he was already there. He knew where the run needed to go because he knew where the defender was before before he even turned around. He knew, like, where the players were going to come into the box. He knew who was going to be attacking the ball and where to put it. And you can see that every single time he gets on the ball as well. He In the first half, he cut back about five times and whipped in across to, like, perfect areas, just needed the right touch or the right the right player attacking it to 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 score a goal and we create so many chances from that right hand side from him because if you think about the the lack of chances created by Emerson the fact that we created more from that right hand side than we did the left hand side 
in the whole game is basically all on him. Like it's basically every single chance that's created from the right hand side was him until we brought Doherty on and he put one good ball in. Like it's it's ridiculous how how much he affects our team and how good he is at such a young age. What is he twenty two? And 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 he and he's playing like a player who's almost De Bruyne's level in my opinion. Like that that's how that's how good I think he is and I think he can evolve in ways that we don't even know yet because he's so technically good he's so mentally good like he doesn't need the physical pace necessarily to to rely on he he is mentally that that clever and his ability is that good that he can just keep doing things over and over again and fool defenders it almost reminds me of Ryan Robin because he does exactly the same thing cuts back onto the left hand side every single time and it works it, he just he use, just uses different moves every time and he and he can go on his right which 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 allows him to go into the left every time and he just what a player it's, it's just ridiculous how how we managed to snap him up and him being a player that we may not have got if we got someone like Luis Diaz last season um he seems like a player that um we got as a result of not signing Luis Diaz um I'm, I'm it's almost a win in my opinion um yeah and and having so. having this Having this month or month and a half of Conte, it's it's only going to fare well for him because he's a player who works extremely hard. He says he loves the pain. He he lo- he loves he loves the he loves the pressure on him, and I think he's going to work so hard in this month and a half to get extremely fit, extremely ready for the restart of the season and improve massively because he knows he has weaknesses and he said it in the Spurs play inter- interview, and he knows what he needs to work on. So. I'm looking forward to seeing revived Kulusevski in January. What do you guys think is, um, what do you think his his ceiling is? No ceiling. Yeah, he can, he can improve massively. Like we're talking like he had the ability to really kind of, you know, get into set pieces, uh, you know, um, right foot, left foot, getting in amongst the goals. If our team can be creative enough to find him. I think with the reliance on him and being quite a creative output, he maybe doesn't get the goals that his game deserves um, because he he can get those goals. We're just not finding him in goal scoring areas, but we are finding him in like dangerous areas where he can where he can create. So yeah, I think we haven't had like as exciting a talent who actually is showing his quality in quite a while like maybe even like Bale like that sort of thing I don't think we've had anyone since Bale really um whose a talent is being shown on the pitch um yeah because we've yeah. had players since then but none have been as effective I think yeah that actually makes quite a lot of sense because like even though Kane came in like pretty much ready-made and he was like hitting the heights I suppose we haven't seen the same Bale's ev- evolution was quite unique because you saw him kind of growing in front of your eyes um, in a way that Kane didn't, in a way that even Son didn't, because I think because the team was so good, he was kind of eased into the team. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a good shout, actually, to be fair, because, you know, it could, sound, it could sound hyperbolic to be like, it's like another Bale, but I think the evolution is actually very similar. Like, you see the potential and then slowly, 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 it's just building. Um, yeah, so clear that we've got a player on our hands, for sure. Um, Glenn, you mentioned off-air briefly, Larice, um 
his woes seem to kind of be continuing. Um, yeah, I think for a couple of goals, he should have done better. Uh, and I, I was saying about how just before, like when I was watching it on my stream, just before Rodrigo had that shot where it hit the post and it, it froze on him taking that shot. And I was just like, there's no way that's that's even going to trouble Lloris. There's no way. And then the stream starts playing again and it, and it hits the post. Like Lloris couldn't have done anything about it. Well, he could have done something about it, but like he literally, <laughs> he just didn't die for it at all. And it was a pretty feeble shot. And I feel like that's just happening more and more often. And I could be wrong on this, but I feel like it's like dives to his left side that he's really struggling with at the moment. I'm I'm just watching the the goals back as well. I've got the the Leeds game and on on replay on on in front of me, and even the first goal, he's been beaten at the near post. And I think any time that that happens, you've got to ask the question. The second one has literally just gone in again in front of me. He goes literally under him or right by him, and I think that we we have seen the the best and the the worst of Luis over his Spurs career. And I think the thing that we could always sort of rely on was the shot stopping and then the distribution and the silly mistakes like what elsewhere. But the shot stopping was generally quite consistent. Um, there might be the occasional like stupid missed punch or something like that. But generally, as I, as I keep saying, the shot stopping was there and that's starting to disappear. And I think that it is certainly time to get the checkbook out and look, look elsewhere because obviously... Fraser Forster at 56 years old probably isn't the answer. Um, and I think it is probably time to look elsewhere. And we do need to, as, I, as we've mentioned on the pod before, start getting a keeper that can play with his feet as well. Um, if you if you look at the the keepers that are, that are out there, we've obviously mentioned the, the, the chap from Porto. Um, but I think that it is important that the next Lloris or the Lloris replacement is, is one that can play with his with his feet. If you look at um, some of the balls that like Allison and Ramsdale and Edison, they're, they're the ones that spring to mind for me that they put into strikers. Like Allison's got, well, I saw, I think he's got more assists than Grealish. In, That's crazy. Just signed for City. I, I, I might, I might, that might be one or two hyperbolically, but he, he's, he's up there with the same assist because he just pelts it to Salah and he's in. It's just, you just need, you just know that Lloris hasn't got that in his locker. And he also hasn't got the the short passes out to um, someone in a, a fullback position either. I just think that it's probably his time to think about being our second fiddle or just popping back to France or something. I, I think that he's probably this might this might be his last season. It might just be a dip in form. I don't know. We'll wait and see. One last thing is that I remember from watching, I think, the City documentary on um, all, was it all the nothing, all or nothing, the, the City yeah. version. That when when they entered the transfer market, I don't know if they they alluded to or they implied that they had a clear, like one through five targets for each position, regardless of whether the player was needing to be replaced or not. Just all the time they had the idea, and I think it's when they when they bought Laporte, they didn't know prior to the window that they needed a centre-back. They had a couple of injuries, so they bought him. Just all, all the time, they had people that they were ready to bid for. I know obviously City have got the, the, the funding, but I think that if you're a, a top-tier football club, you need to be having 
these conversations, even about your players that are, are performing well. And I think that's part of the reason why the league has been so difficult to retain for some teams is that you win it the once and you think, oh, all right, we're we're good. Mm, yeah. It's you, you've got to build even when you're strong. And I think we obviously fell very short of that under the, the dark days of Poch that we we didn't invest at the time. But we've we've got to learn from those mistakes and replace players and neither be replacing and be ready to play replace anyone. Yeah. Glenn's about to scream homegrown at you, the goalkeeper thing, but we'll keep it. No, 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 no. I'm actually not, because Lloris isn't homegrown. So it's like if if it's <laughs> if he was homegrown then I'd be like yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I was actually screaming Robert Sanchez because I think he's such a good keeper. I think he's unbelievable. And if we could Ryan? get... No, I want Robert Sanchez. That, Do that's, you think that's... Robert Sanchez is good with his, like, that good with his feet? I think he's he is. He's better than the Reese. He's class. I think he's better with his feet than he is. Yeah. does him with his feet. And he looks so intimidating good. as well, to be fair. Honestly. Like, that's, that's an extra mark for me. He looks yeah. intimidating. Is, 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 none, is, none of this pretty boy Larice anymore. Yeah, is he home? What a scary keeper, Robert Sanchez. Uh, Robert Sanchez. No, no, I don't think so. Was he trained in a in a? Uh, no, English I don't think school? so because he's Spanish. But I mean, possibly. yeah, I think I know. I know he's Spanish, but like some some like young players. I, I don't yeah, know. some of them have a weird one of of counting. But yeah, actually, I don't know where he came through. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> But I think he's I don't think such so. a good keeper. I actually, out of interest, I had a look at Spurs transfer rumours yesterday and we are like, we're linked to no one, basically, which is kind of... Jan Oblak. Oh, oh, God, that would just be such... Wait, a wait, listen, listen to these. Jan Oblak, Bastoni again, and then there was another, Lissandro Martinez. And then obviously, obviously... No, uh, no, no, not him. Not, not the Man United. Sorry. Uh, uh, he is... No, 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 the, the Inter one. Uh, oh, yeah. Lautaro. Lautaro. I don't want him either. Lautaro. And, and then obviously the Atletico, uh, Atletico players who they want to offload, which is just not every good idea. power, no one else. Yeah. Oh, and, and uh, Yao Felix is obviously oh, on, yeah. the, on the... No one wants Carrasco. He would be quality. No, apparently he's been no, really bad no, this season. No, no, no. I did see um, Unai Simon was linked at one point, which is why I, I brought up that. the transfer rumours. He'd be good, but um, where's he at? Bilbao, right? Bilbao. Basque, yeah. Yeah, Basque. His, historically, they charge a lot for for any of their talents. So yeah. I think Kepa came from there, world record fee. So I think that would be even more difficult than like buying from the Premier League in the form of Sanchez. San- oh, Sanchez, I... he actually came through. I've just I've had a little little Google. He, he came through at Brighton. He's been at Brighton since 2013. Glenn was See? right. He was, was right. in Levante before, but he was an actual child then. He's yeah, he's you have, he's to, you have to train for three years between 15 and 21. FM knowledge. <laughs> well, he's, he's got one cap for Spain. Does that make a difference? Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It just makes it wait. easier for a work permit, I suppose. But yeah. um, but yeah, no, he would be good, but. I wonder how much he he would cost. I mean, given that they charged what fifth, between fifty and sixty for Cucurella, historically they've charged between fifty and sixty. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I don't it's know. I, I would like I would pay it's fifty. Like four years left. I would I would definitely pay fifty for him. I oh think. yeah, hundred percent. And and as we've seen in the past, teams that invest strongly in their keepers seem to do well. Like. 
Chelsea. I know, I know Chelsea is obviously a, a bit of a, a weird one. But M- they Mendy won with, the Champions League. Yeah, they did go and win the Champions League. And and obviously City have had Edison for donkey's years and he's been excellent for them. He's been excellent for Liverpool. He's turned around their team. Sure. Ramsdale allowed Arsenal to play the way that they're playing at the moment because they wouldn't have been able to do that under Leno or Martinez because they just can't play with their feet. And it seems a bit like that with Lloris sometimes at points because yeah. he, we just cannot trust him on the ball. So playing out the back is almost a player down because you can't. Sanchez is also ball. six foot six, so love that. I love it. Give it. That's good. I, I like that. Right. <laughs> um, let, we got, obviously, we're going into the World Cup now. Uh, as weird as that feels to say, um, with oh, the yeah. night drawing in at, at four p.m. at the moment, <laughs> doesn't feel right at all. But it has kind of been a half season. Um, like I was saying a bit bit earlier, I do hope that now we've actually got here, we are going to see another Tottenham out the other out the other side of it. Um, I tell you what, let's first of all say how we think Spurs did in that half of the season. Do we think we've met expectations? Do we think we've been a bit below par? Um, yeah, who wants to go first? I'll, I'll, I'll nip in first. I think it's a a smidge below par, but Me too. I, 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 I don't think that we can be too unhappy. If, if you'd have asked any of us now, uh, but I think at the beginning of the season, in the top four and into the next rounds of the Champions League, you'd be happy. But I think that some people had us as dark horses for the, the title. And I think that bits, that's why I'm saying a smidge under. I don't think yeah. that no, I, I agree. I agree. I think with the signings we made and like bringing Conte in, I think we should kind of safely be in that third position. Really, I think if everything had gone to plan, um, and there have been some pretty shoddy results in there. I think for me, the one that that sits the most bitterly is is the Newcastle defeat. I mean, that's just. I still don't think they're anywhere near as good as us, like personnel wise and. It's just frustrating because we've kind of enabled them to um, carry on riding this this crest of a wave and we should have stopped that. We should have nipped that in the bud. They shouldn't be anywhere near us in the table right now. Um, instead, we go in, they're ahead of us. And I just, I in an ideal world, um, I would like to be closer to Arsenal and City. But I do think overall it's been, it's been good. Like given the, cons- uh, the circumstances, um, the death of uh, Giampiero Ventroni can't be overstated at all. Um, so, you know, given how crazy it's been, I think we're in a good position. Um, I only say that I'm a little bit disappointed when I compare it to pre-season expectations because I do think we were all very high on Tottenham's chances and we thought that we could go on, go, go and kick on after getting Champions League. I think part of the frustration comes from the fact that we thought if we didn't get Champions League and Arsenal got Champions League, they were going to leave us in the dust completely. Um, and that if we were in Europa League, we would struggle to kind of build. They've gone into the Europa League and somehow they've mounted an insane title challenge. Um, and I know people say, don't take any notes of them, don't compare the two things. But it is frustrating given that we we nipped ahead of them on the last day of the season. So, yeah, that's that's where my frustrations lie, I think. I kind of agree with you to some extent. Um, I think that our pre-season sort of expectations were 
we've done a re- we've had a really good start to the window um the transfer window but with the with the context of the end of the transfer window with arsenal spending 200 odd million with united spending over 100 million on like in the last few days of the transfer window with with obviously newcastle again spending money with with chelsea spending money with all these teams spending so much money i think we're actually competing in the league in a in a way that without conte we wouldn't have because if you put it in context all these teams have really improved and we thought that after champions league we were going to be one of the only teams with the ability to spend that much money i just i don't see how some of these teams are running sustainably having spent this much money and i think it it is just possibly a way that we could build upon in january and maybe the next window because we do it in such a sustainable way that these teams won't be able to do that for years to come if they don't have the success this season that's my Um, opinion i i agree um i also think that tottenham the the idea was to be there or thereabouts going into the World Cup, and that's what we've done. We're in the top four. We've got through the knockout stages, and we've done that in spite of the tragic passing of Jan Piero, despite um, injuries to every single one of our top players, aside from Kane. If you think about it, uh, Romero's been out. Uh, Son's now been out. Kulisevsky's been out. Richarlison's been out. Um, and... So when you look at it in that sense, um, we've actually done well to be there or thereabouts. We started off brilliantly um, results-wise and maybe failing the eye test is one thing um, and that's what kind of people will say um, as non-fans that Spurs are like playing boring or unattractive football and that's fine as long as you get the results and we've been getting the results. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Cosmo. I think the hope is that after the World Cup, we kind of kick on from this. Um, but I do think it's a good um, platform. Um, so, yeah, I think recruitment in January is going to be key. And the noise sounds positive. Um, it always seemed to have sounded positive under Conte. Um, so, yeah, I think with the right recruitment, um, we could do, we, I think we'll, we'll do we'll do well to, um, finishing the top four of the season and potentially win a cup. I do think that we might be able to go quarterfinals in the Champions League as well. So we'll we'll see about that. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, actually. Uh, Glenn and Eddie have kind of talked me around a little bit, but a little bit. I'm still slightly disappointed, but I think given everything, we are in a good position. Um, right. We're going to be in a bit of a race against time against the Zoom. But first of all, I want to get who you guys think has been the player of the half season. One, one word answers. Yeah. For the, for this bit, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go for Kane. Yeah, Kane yeah, as well. Kane, Kane. Kane as well. Kane. I, I think just adding a little bit to oh, it, I like... Oh. We always wanna we always wanna give it to someone else, but like in reality, yeah. Kane has been it's just been incredible. I think I heard that he's put up fifteen goals, I think. Uh in the I think it's someone said yeah, fifteen 12 goals. Twelve in the fifteen games in the league. Twelve goals, fifteen games, oh, okay. not one assist. Yeah. And then obviously you got you got a few in the Champions League as well, I think, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Including the winner that that should have um counted. Yeah. Uh 
against uh, Frankfurt. Um, was it against Frankfurt? No, it was against Sporting. Oh. My bad. Sporting. Yeah. Um, which probably takes me on to the moment of the half season. We, we don't have to do one word answers. If the Zoom runs out, then it runs out. Um, but for me, I actually kind of think in terms of pure exhilaration, in the moment, I think it was that Kane winner against Sporting. Just if you if if you didn't know what was going to come after that, that was just such an incredible feeling. I don't know if I said it in, yeah. on the pod, but I was in a pub watching it in central London, and the amount of noise we made. Some guy came from another bar across the street, ran in, started celebrating with us. He was a Spurs fan. He's like, "What's happened? What's happened?" Like the pure jubilation when that went in was incredible. Obviously that was then completely killed by VAR um, and one of the worst decisions in, in recent times. But um, yeah, I'm not going to say that was the moment of the half season. Uh, another one I got a real soft spot for again, probably because of the settings, uh, Aaron watching the, the Chelsea game out That's in the right. islands. That was mine. That was mine, mine as well. The equalizer. Um, yeah. Oh, come on, man. I've got, I've got one over on my brother as well. So yeah. yeah, especially yeah, with easy. with with the afters as well between um, Tuchel and Conte. That was and the hair pull, <laughs> the hair pull as well. Oh, the hair pull! I actually yeah. forgot about the hair pull. With his arm off, coach. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that yeah, that was so good. But no one said no one said uh, Marseille so far. No, no. But yeah, Marseille away obviously was was great, and I don't think we can forget the. Um, the six-three victory over the K League All Stars in in preseason as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that was special. Don't forget that. That's <laughs> special. What was um? So I guess this is kind of similar um to moment of the season. But what what do we think of uh, game of the season or like result of the of the half season? It'll be the last game, most recent game. No, nah, the result's got to be Marseille. That's so important. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, important. yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's got to be Marseille as well. Yeah. Any other honourable mentions? I think whenever you score more than five goals, that's quite a, a historic time. So the six-two against Leicester is quite. But getting yeah. six done, is like a, a, is a big number of goals. Cracks, I reckon he done a lot to he done a lot to smooth over the cracks. And I I agree, but when you when you score six, that's a no. It's when when when, when you see that yeah. pop up on the. That was yeah, such a bizarre game, though, because I remember I was there and I really didn't enjoy most of that game. I think that kind of like sums <laughs> up our season in a way. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm just glad that I got to the point where I kind of was like, I can accept that we aren't playing well, but we are getting results. And for me, that came in the Bournemouth game. So maybe that was a more important result than we actually realised at the time, because um, I think everyone was still quite in a bit of a funk um, when that happened. But we got less than a minute on the Zoom. Uh, I'm dying. Uh, I'm sure Eddie's dying. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. We're not going to record uh, over the World Cup. We, we might do one or, one or two here or there, but we're not going to provide like a England-style reaction. So um, I guess we'll see you on, on Boxing Day after the next the next Spurs game. But um, 